0: Backstage with Mothership on Solid Rock Radio begins now. Hear the best in new music, artist interviews, stories from the road, and more. You are now backstage, and here's your host, Mothership.
1: Hey, everybody. If you haven't checked out the new project, World Gone Cold, you really should. The drummer of that band is my friend Yogi Watts, who is also the drummer for a band you might be familiar with, Demon Hunter. If you want to know more about him and the bands he's involved with, stick around. I have Tim Yogi Watts from Demon Hunter and World Gone Cold. First of all, where did that nickname come from?
0: Baseball. Yeah, Yogi Bear, the infamous catcher of the New York Yankees back in the 50s, 60s, somewhere in that era. Uh, My little league coach named me that when I was eight years old. And I lived in a small town and was really good at baseball through high school and stuff. And so, nicknames, you know how that works. You can't ever get rid of them. Yeah, that's it. Yep yogi watts
1: let's talk about these two bands can't get more classic than demon hunter and world gone cold is the new super group so we got to talk about all of this and who is tim yogi watts
0: that's it okay first i'm gonna i'm gonna start with you because you're such a powerful person in our little scene here Supergroup is a term we are sorely trying to avoid i mean i guess i get it right like in the scene that we all grew up in and that we've You know, like at Murray Hill, when we played that show, World Gone Cold, you saw how, like Tony was talking about how long I have played there and how many times, like 10 times over 27 years. Like, you know, so I get that sentiment from people, but it's really just a new band and like Supergroup sounds conceited almost to me. Like, I don't want people to think that we are calling ourselves that because we don't look at this like that at all. I mean, we even told our publicists from the get-go, like, I don't know where that's coming from, but can we try to, like, snuff that out? <laughs> <laughs> let's, back, let's back it up. World Gone
1: Cold is a group of veteran musicians from highly successful bands that have come together for a brand-new project. How's that?
0: Yeah, I ain't super at nothing. Genuine humility, dude. I'm a, I am hope I'm a good dad. I hope I'm a good husband. I hope I'm a good drummer. I hope I'm a good friend. Uh, but I ain't really super at anything, I don't think. So it's just a weird term, but I get it. And thank you for saying something like that, because it is uh, flattering to an extent to think of myself as somebody who could be in a band that somebody would term a supergroup, which is crazy to me to think about. But then, like you said, who is Yogi Watts and all that stuff? Now, when I think about it and I go through my discography and uh, all the bands I've played either live with or done records with, and I feel like I've earned a certain um, level of, I guess, respect or whatever. And I feel like, for the most part, I get that pretty much everywhere I go. from most people, you know, like... But I definitely do think, because I've cut my teeth in the Christian music business, I definitely don't have that reputation nearly as much outside of this scene, if that makes sense. And then locally here, now that I'm back home, of course, like, my wife and I, care, we moved back with our daughter a couple of years ago, and then we had our son since we've been here. And since I've moved back, I play with a pretty big local, regional country artists here, too. They know that I play with these couple bigger bands, and then they also know that I'm doing this thing that's big around here, so I definitely have a reputation around here. I worked hard for it, and I really appreciate it. I ain't got no big head about it, man. I'll tell you why. It's because the good Lord just saw fit to make me a drummer, and I don't know how to be anything else. I'm just going to try to do it as best I can. That's really just it.
1: How'd you get started in music?
0: I started playing in church with my parents. They were a southern gospel group when I was growing up, and once I could reach the pedals, my dad stopped playing drums completely. He probably played, I bet, from the time I took over at, I want to say I was probably 10 or 11, my dad has probably played drums 25 times since then, and he played his whole life. But once I started, it was like my parents felt that, you know, I was gifted, and they just wanted to do as much as they could to help foster that gift, and teach me how to use it and teach me how to use it for the Lord and teach me how to use it with excellence. And if it weren't for them, I definitely wouldn't be sitting here with you because I mean, everything I am as a musician and as a drummer, I learned in that church and I learned in a bunch of different churches all over the Carolinas, traveling with my parents on the weekend. So that's kind of how I got started. And then at 18, I was in community college Nobody really knew in college I played drums, and a friend of mine found out and he was a bassist in a regional Christian rock band, and they opened up for a band, which you're from Atlanta. You probably heard this name. Uh, there was a band from Covington, Georgia, back in the mid and late 90s called Rocket Boy, um, and they played a show with Rocket Boy. Rocket Boy's drummer had just quit. My friend Matt says, hey, my friend back home in North Carolina is a killer drummer. It's only like three hours from y'all. You should let him try out. And they said, Cool. That sounds good to us. Have them drive down. So at 18, spring break, first year of college, freshman, I drove down to Atlanta and got the gig in that band, Rocket Boy, which was on REX records with like six pence on the ritual, the waiting, living sacrifice, a lot of really cool bands, like small town poets. And that's how it started, man. And it just from one band and touring and meeting dudes, and then you join another mm-hmm. band and you meet some dude. And so it was like my first few bands, it was like a couple of years in this band, and then a dude would quit. And so the band breaks up. Because not everybody sees when you're in your early 20s about staying in music, right? And somehow, I think just through those first few bands, like, I finally ended up in Nashville, obviously wanting to make a career out of it at that point. And that's when I joined a band that at the time was called Somerset, which turned into a band called Holland, which had a record on Tooth & Nail. Um, and then we... Had to change our name legally, and it changed to The Lonely Hearts, which also put out a record on Tooth & Nail. Uh, and that's how I met the Demon Hunter guys, was recording my Holland record in Seattle at Tooth & Nail, which was, the studio was in the basement of the record label. And those guys were working, and had a deal worked out to where their art company did all of the art. Um For Tooth and Nail, and in return, Brandon let them have an office at the building. And so I hung out with the Demon Hunter guys every day before they were Demon Hunter. We kept in contact. I knew the Demon Hunter thing was going to happen. It happened. I was at the first show; They did at Cornerstone. And I was an immediate fan, fell in love, like legitimately was as excited about a Christian man as I've ever been. When Demon Hunter came out, that's a God's honest truth. And a year and a half into it, two years... They recorded their second album, uh, Jesse Sprinkle from Poor Old Lou, Aaron Sprinkle's brother, played on those first two records and toured on the first tour. And then right before they were going to leave for their second tour, his plan decided to pick up and move all the way across the country. And he took the drum kit and then bought him and uh, like just <laughs> headed out to him. was like, I'm not going to do the tour, guys. And so they were like, OK, here's our list. They made a short little list. And I ended up on the list. 100% because of the time I spent with them in Seattle and just every day hanging out on the dock and just chilling and doing grill outs and you know, just being stupid and going to coffee and going to New Release Tuesday. And just, I was up there for like six weeks, you know? We just loved hanging out with each other. They called me first and was like, hey, do you think you can play Demon Hunter stuff? Because if you do, then we trust you and we think you can. So, because we've asked Aaron, we asked, Aaron Malasco, who's a big drum guy in Seattle, a big drum tech, he's out with everybody from the Wallflowers to Pearl Jam to Soundgarden, everybody, right? And he he drum teched for a couple of records I played on, and he told those guys, yeah, Yogi can do it, no problem. Like, You won't have any issues with that guy. And so they were just like, do you want to do it? And I was like, hey, are you kidding me? And just to show you how cool people are, like when you meet real friends in music, which is not always the case, but just to show you how cool people, when they really love you are, The band I was in, Holland, was named Holland after the last name of two brothers that were in the band. It was the three of us. And we met, played one show, got signed, and started touring together. 18 and 20, I think they were, and I was in my mid-20s. I had the most fun ever with those two dudes. And we just became really good, lifelong friends that I still love today. And the minute I got that call to do Demon Hunter, we had a tour scheduled, Holland did. And they both looked at me and were like, yeah, we'll get somebody to fill in for you, bro. You got to go do Demon Hunter. Like, Yogi Watts, if there's ever been a band that you should be in, and we know you better than anybody, it's that band. So you need to go do that tour. And, you know, there was never a discussion out of that after that about whether I was in, in Demon Hunter or not. Ryan's just kept me around ever since.
1: I was wondering how a Carolina boy got all the way over to the West Coast with Demon Hunter.
0: So the Carolinas, Atlanta, Nashville. With the trip back to the Carolinas mixed in there. Um, then Nashville for several years until the Demon Hunter thing. And I did Demon Hunter for three or four years and then decided I wanted to live in Seattle for a little while. Kind of fell in love with the city, been up there so much. And then ended up meeting my wife there. And, you know, it's become like a second kind of city. Her parents lived there up until a few years ago. and So... Yeah, I mean, I'm one of a handful of people that say this, but pretty much about anybody you meet that lives near the state line or the state border, as we like to call it, most people just say, hey, where are you from? They just say, I'm from the Carolinas. It's hard for me to claim one or the other. I live in South Carolina right now, but I got a North Carolina tattoo on my wrist, and I'm a car hill till I die, you know what I mean? So You're right. Obviously, the Demon Hunter thing has just been a, a journey I never would have imagined being able to go on at any point in my life, Like, and to still be on it. That story I told you about them calling me was in April of 2004. And so we are 19 years. Ryan and Don called me to do that first tour. Next year, 2024, I'll be a 20-year anniversary for me, which, I mean, dude, most bands don't get 20-year anniversary, much less you being able to be in a band for 20 years. Exactly. And not only be in it for 20 years, but you're getting ready to go on a tour, which is not your last tour. I mean, me and Ryan were just talking this week about how many songs he and Patrick have written for the next record how many songs are already demoed, and when our projected like studio time is. There won't be any slowing down. The, our model just works for us. Uh, do you mind if I ask you what neighborhood of age you're in? 63. Okay. You still, I saw you and your wonderful <laughs> husband drive to Jacksonville and go to a, an essentially a metal show. So if you can still go to them, and my body still functions to play them when I'm 60, like, I'm going to do it as long as I can. Why not? Aren't, right. aren't Anthony... So now this is how we get to the World Gone Cold thing (laughs) sometimes I make a lot of jokes about being old um, and he's just like bro he genuinely believes this and now I do that I could be sitting here talking to you if you're 83 and still rocking out which would be sick
1: and you can believe if I can I will
0: how sick would it be if we're sitting here in 20 years talking about the 20 year anniversary of World Gone Cold
1: that would be crazy
0: you know what I mean like how crazy would that be like I think about stuff like that which I didn't at first when World Gone Cold got started how did that happen The World Gone Cold thing is real simple. That was Mark Anthony reaching out. He slid into everybody's DMs and asked all five of us who were in the band to be in the band. We were his first pick for each position in the band. And he didn't really have much of a list past us, but he knew he wanted to reach out to us first. And when we saw everybody that could potentially be involved, we pretty much said yes all at the same time. That's when you also know there's like a divine thing working in your favor. Right, yeah. Putting something together that he's been orchestrating for a long time. Once we all got together and realized how deep our relationships go and how long, we don't have enough time to go through all of it. But I'll give you a short example of I met Trey in 1997. I saw P.O.D. for the first time in 1996 at Cornerstone. Sonny proposed to his then-girlfriend, who is now still his wife. They blew me away. He told the story of his mom passing, which wasn't an old story at that point. It had just happened like a couple of years before that. They had one EP out. I bought a payable on death because they weren't POD and they didn't even refer to themselves as POD then. I bought a POD hat. And anybody that knows me know that my wife and I lost everything we owned in a fire. And I've moved so maybe 20 times in the past 20 years. And somehow... I still have that hat. I don't have anything that's that old except for that hat. And then all these years later, they were the band, and I've told Trey this pretty wild, they're literally two bands that are responsible for me wanting to do this and knowing I was called to do it, so to speak. And it was Striper, and it was POD for me. And so now, all these years later, to be in a band with Trey, is kind of mind-boggling us to have a genuine friendship and love for one another now is mind boggling. But it's awesome. But yeah, all of our roots run so deep with each other and there's relationships. Travis Weirick is important to this man.
1: Yeah. Who, yeah. Producing it.
0: He uh he's a big deal. He produced a lot of the dudes who are in this band. He and I are actually the only ones that didn't have a real strong previous relationship. We just had a, hand, a handful of random run-ins, uh, but I had never actually worked with Travis. Everybody else in the band had done multiple records with him. We had a little secret get together. I mean, it was a year and a half ago, pretty much, right after the band had been together a few months and passing demos back and forth together. We finally decided, like, it's real. Let's get together. Where should we get together? Well, Travis's, of course, most most sense. We'll go hide in the mountains. Nobody knows about it, and we'll just see what's up. And Everybody left that weekend, all the five dudes in the band, and the other, I mean, you know a couple people that were there, uh, and I'm sure he's told you the vibe that was in that room for that weekend. And Man, that was just further proof that there was like a special, man, I don't mean to get too hokey, but just a special divine thing, appointment happening with a bunch of people that had spent a lot of time, and a lot of years, and a lot of sweat and tears, mostly, and were finally putting something together that felt like really special there wasn't just a side project or something like that yeah and to have that so late in the game kind of just everybody felt probably the way my face looks which is just like man this is crazy like and it's just been a whirlwind man there's been so much just happened
1: why don't you tell everybody who's in world gone cold
0: yeah world gone cold is me yogi watts on drums it is Mark Anthony from the Letter Black on guitar and background vocals. Uh, Ryland Rouse, who is from a band, Inhale Hell Exhale, uh, that was on Solid State Records. And then he also travels and tours with the band uh, Attack Attack Playing Guitar. Just a touring guitarist. Um, Trey Daniels from P.O.D. is on bass guitar. Uh, he's a legend. Everybody knows who Trey is. And then Mr. Andrew Stanton from the band Disciple is the guy who sprinkles all the nice little leads and guitar fairy dust all over everything. Yeah, that's World Gone Cold right there. Random mixture of dudes from bands that don't necessarily seem like they fit together, but um, that have really just figured out that despite whatever band we're in, we have a bond musically, and we have a pretty singular vision in what we're trying to create. So, yeah, dude. We're on a room together. It's pretty dangerous.
1: I have seen you together in a room at Murray Hill and Catering.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And you didn't even get to see it with Andrew. I know. Also, I felt like that despite that, having to do it that way, um, it went as good as it possibly could have.
1: For the first official show, I thought it went really well.
0: We have no complaints. Nothing. The bands that we played with, I have no complaints about the venue, the people, the workers. Nobody. Everything from the time we got there to the time we left, it was just a good time for everybody. There was nobody in the building that left having a bad time. That's what you're trying to build is that rapport with people.
1: Exactly. I know that you also wanted to reach into the general market as well as the faith-based market. Can you explain a little bit about that and uh, the, the song choices?
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, like we've all been in the really aggressively Christian marketed bands uh, for a long time. Um, And I think that this band for us is different in that this is more of a musical endeavor, if that makes sense. And I don't want people to think that like nobody's faith has changed. Nobody's, it's not like we're going to have a bus full of chicks and cocaine and stuff. Like we're still, everybody's, (laughs) everybody's the same people, but like, I, do, I just, at 45 years old, like I had a great time playing in churches and playing to youth groups when I was in my 20s and early 30s. Now, my life as a professional and mixing that with ministry, obviously I have Demon Hunter to kind of hold on to that, but I didn't feel like I needed that again, another chance to do that. Everybody knows I'm a Christian. Everybody knows my story. I don't need to have another Christian man going to stand on stage and preach to everybody to prove that I'm a Christian because like, sometimes that stuff gets a little redundant to me. Like, okay, you're writing songs about Jesus, right? Yes. And you're doing that for what reason? To reach people? Well, yes, of course. That's what they'll tell you, right? Well, why are you only playing the Christian scene? Why are you only playing at churches? Why are you only playing in Christian venues? Because at this point, I'm going to tell you, 99% of your crowd is Christian. And if you're trying to reach lost people, guess what you ain't doing? You ain't reaching lost people playing in a Christian venue. So you need to have real conversations with people and build real relationships with people who aren't believers before you're ever going to affect anything. Because right now, all you are is a cheerleader for a pep rally band. That's all you are. It's a pep rally for Jesus, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's a time in my life where I enjoy being the drummer in a band that played a ton of pet rallies for Jesus. I think that's awesome. I don't feel the need to do that anymore. And I think all of us have earned the right to not feel the need to do that anymore, if that makes any sense. And then as far as like the song choices and lyrics, like that's that's Ryland. He has a really interesting way of writing to make it like what is he? Is he talking about a girl? Or is he talking about himself? Or is he talking about Who's he having this conversation with? Because if you listen, the songs are really conversations. Almost every single song. Think about what I just said to you. Go back and mm-hmm. listen to me, thinking in your head, Miss Cindy, Rylan's talking to somebody. Who's he talking to? And listen to all those songs and then try to figure out, well, who is he talking to? Like, okay, maybe I thought it was a girl, but now that you said that and I'm listening to him, <laughs> maybe it's not a girl, maybe it's himself. Like maybe now it makes more sense what he's saying. There is so much of that in his lyrics that it drives me crazy in a good way because Ryan Clark he likes to hide things in lyrics. Mm-hmm. He's also very blatant, right? He yes. has we have a lot of songs that are super blatant, super scripture based, but then we have some songs where he hides things in there and hides little Easter eggs for people that like kind of get where we're coming from, you know. He's um, a poet. Yeah, he's a poet, and Ryland is too. And people are going to figure out like. Just because he may seem like in this band, like when you look at the bands we're all in, and if you look strictly at sales or things like that, like maybe Ryland's band isn't the top of the list, but what you will find out once you listen to more World on Code, that like he's as strong of a part of this and why it is what it is and how it is going to affect people as anybody in this band is. That's what's awesome is because I'll make a sports analogy. You know how, like, when you see, like, the really great teams and they talk about how nobody on the team cares who gets the touchdowns. Like, we want those Super Bowl rings. Like, I don't care if I'm an all-pro. I don't care if I'm any of that stuff. Like, I just need those Super Bowl rings, baby, because if I got those Super Bowl rings, they can't nobody take that away from me. That's legendary. Like, that is it. That is, so to me, if I can be in Demon Hunter. And then World Gone Cold can grow to a place that's kind of like Demon Hunter. That's like Super Bowl rings, right? I didn't get in Demon Hunter because of me. I didn't get in Demon Hunter because of something I did. And Demon Hunter hasn't grown or been successful because of me. It's just something I was lucky to be a part of. And I want to do my part as best I can to make sure we get that Super Bowl ring. So for me, with World Gone Cold and every other dude in the band in World Gone Cold just wants the Super Bowl ring. That's all we want. And that's why we're taking it general market. I'll tie that into that question, too. We want our Super Bowl ring. I don't have a Super Bowl ring right now. And I've played in a lot of championship games and not gotten that ring yet. And I say that as in, like, I've been in really successful Christian bands and devoted my life to playing in Christian bands. And there's a certain cap to that financially for what you can do to provide for your family. Unless you're a Toby Mac or somebody like that who's a singular figure, it's his name, right? Solar artists can do that a little easier than bands can. And with Demon Hunter being an even more part-time-ish kind of a thing on top of that, like I've never had a point in my life where I was just able to coast comfortably and like never have to worry about hustling every weekend trying to find gigs. And right now I've got Demon Hunter, obviously. i got World Gone Cold. And then I also play in a country band here at home. I talked about that guy Mm -hmm. earlier. Mr. James Radford, phenomenal, sensational. The whole man is incredible. Um, And then it looks as if that I will also be the drummer for The Letter Black.
1: What? What? That's some crazy good news. Congrats.
0: Yeah. I mean, and then there's other things happening, too, because I got to play a set with P.O.D. a couple of weeks ago, and that was a lot of fun. And everybody had a lot of fun. And they currently don't have a full-time drummer. And I'm trying real hard to be that guy. So cross your fingers. If Trey hears this interview, he's going to be like, Yogi. Uh, I'm, they haven't said a word to me about it even being a possibility. I'm just saying on my end, like, that kind of would be my dream, to be honest with you. For Yogi Watson's since this podcast technically, I guess, is about me and all the things I'm doing, if we did an interview a year from now, what I would like to tell you is, is that I am currently the full-time drummer for Demon Hunter, The Letter Black, World Gone Cold, and P.O.D., Right now, right. two and two-thirds out of four. <laughs> Just lay <laying> it out there. <laughs> Anybody that hears this interview, go to their page. Tell them. How did you turn into a metal drummer? I grew up playing a bunch of different kinds of music. Everything from, like I said, southern gospel, traditional gospel, worship music. I played in a black gospel choir. Like, I did a lot of things until, like, 18. At 18, kind of alternative rock came into my life, and I started doing that. And then... I never had played metal at all, but I am very much a heavy music fan. And okay. heavy music has always been the thing I enjoy the most. Like, like if you know me, you know that that's kind of what I listen to. Even when I was in these other bands, you know, the Lonely Hearts, for instance, was the band I was in. We sounded like Ryan Adams or Wilco or something like that, right? I very rarely ever listened to that kind of music. But I would be the one in the band that when I was in there, I was listening to like you know in flames and soil work and all this stuff you know all this metal stuff and striper and all kinds of stuff and so i've always been a metal kid and so i don't know my relationship with the demon her dudes they called you ever played double kick nope can you learn yep i borrowed a double kick pedal from my friend who was a front of house engineer in nashville went to my practice space practiced for three weeks learned how to play all the Demon her songs and then since then i've just taught myself you know, how to play with another pedal and just incorporate it into the way I play. And it took a long time. Like every time I would come home for the first 10, 12 years, I said demon hunter. Anytime I wasn't in demon hunter, I still only used one pedal. But over the years, it's become such a part of me now with demon hunter. And when I joined the showdown and now with world gone cold, that like, I've just integrated it into me in general. And I actually even use it in the country band i play in. And it's really traditional country. Um, and I only use it sparingly at the very ends of songs and things. But like our pedal Star was nominated for a Grammy years ago. He played with Randy Travis, right? And uh, he told me he kind of runs things a little bit. And uh, I used it the first weekend. I used it. I was like, "Hey guys, I just wanted to bring that out and kind of use it and see how it fit." I won't bring it back out if it was if you guys didn't like it. I'm the youngest in the band, pretty much. He looked at me and he was like you know what, I think, I think you should bring it back out next week. I really like the way you use it at the end of songs and stuff. It really dynamically like, works. It's something different for us, and I like it. And I was like, yes, sir, I will. We've incorporated a lot more of it into our music and spaces for it and uh, jams and stuff where I can use it. And it's become kind of a cool little show to see around here, and we're like packing places out now. and it's fun, you know?
1: Dude, you make it look so effortless, but
0: I know it's hard work. That's a lot of work. How do you even do it? It's what I am, dude. Born to be a drummer. One of my wife's favorite stories that my mom tells about me is she tells about kind of the moment they knew that I was going to be a drummer was, she said, yeah, you went from like playing, like it was probably like three years old. And she was like three, four years old. You went from playing with like normal toys to... I couldn't keep you out of the cupboard and I couldn't keep you away from the pots and the pans and you setting them up in the kitchen and playing drums, taking them to your room and beating on them. She was like, dad and I knew like, okay, he's you, he's a drummer. So they would just let me hop on it before church or after church or when we go to church and it wasn't like church. We were just there at the church. You know, my whole family is involved at the church growing up. So we were there five, six days a week, sometimes no joke at some point in the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, just that way. And that's how I started playing, and I I don't really know anything else.
1: Before you go, let's look at what's coming up. Demon Hunter's getting ready for a tour. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: 20 Years in Exile Tour, yeah. 20 Years of Demon Hunter, obviously. Starts in Lawrence, Kansas. Ends in Nashville, Tennessee. It's mostly West Coast and Midwest. Covered the whole West Coast. Uh, It's us and opponent again. They went out with us on the first leg, the East Coast leg, back in the fall. And then the last two shows, the Memphis and Nashville, uh, we have our very special friends and very close friends and very influential in Demon Hunter even being a band friends, which is Living Sacrifice. Awesome. Goes with us. We're super excited about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to the whole tour, but I, I just know those last two shows, especially that last show in Nashville, it's just going to be, I mean, it's darn near getting close to sold out at this point.
1: And yours truly is going to be there.
0: I uh, know it, dude. It's going to be <laughs> something to see. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a sight to behold. I cannot wait. I can't wait either, dude. I'm telling. You.
1: What about World Gone Cold? What's next for you guys? I know the album just came out, like right before the show in Jacksonville.
0: Getting in front of people, having people tell people about us. Just tell your friends. Tell everybody to go to Spotify. Run up our monthly listeners. Like that's the way things roll now. That's the way other bands when they get ready to tour. Oh, you want to go on tour with us? How many Spotify listeners do you have per month? It's like, oh, well, we're a new band. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, Right now, it's just trying to drive our socials up, hopefully get a cool tour. We're up for a couple things um, that are really awesome and that we really would be a really amazing jumping off point for this band, especially in the fall. That's it, really. We have a live festival in July. July the 15th, we're in a live festival. July the 1st, we're at Audio Feed in Aurora, Illinois, which is, the um, I think, kind of a, a newer version of what Cornerstone used to be. There's other things going on, like with these tours and these runs that we're talking about going on. And
1: So fans just need to get on your socials and watch.
0: Yep, yep. Just, just pay attention. Try to drive as many people to those socials. Listen to the EV. Comment. We're going to put out more music soon. And when I say that, I mean literally more new music, like, That EP is the EP and it's out and we're still pushing those songs, but it's like, we don't really want to wait very long to like let people know, like, Hey, this ain't just some flash in the pan. We're continuously working. It's a real band that is functioning 24 seven now. Like it's here. You don't need to worry about us not wanting to come play your town or that this is a part time project to be cheesy. And one of my last statements I'll make is "Is the world has gone cold. Mm. We're trying to set it on fire. How about that?
1: There you go, man. Well, I
0: appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Miss Cindy. I appreciate it. I'll see you in a few weeks.
1: Yep, and let me know if I need to bring y'all anything.
0: I will. All right,
1: bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more great music, and check out my blog page on the Solid Rock Radio website for my guests' social media links. If you've missed any of my past interviews, you can find them uploaded to podcast.solidrockradio.org. Have a wonderful week, and let's be kind to one another.